Welcome to episode 37 of the Movie City Maniacs. On tonight's episode, we cover Fahrenheit 451 from 1966. Welcome, everyone, to the Movie City Maniacs. I'm Kyle. I'm Maddie. And on tonight's episode, we're going to cover, uh, from 1966, Fahrenheit. Four five one. Uh, we're we're asking everyone to bring their books here. We're gonna have a book yeah. burning party. You know what this movie's about? How this movie's awesome? It's about burning books because books stink, right? <laughs> Reading ch- chumps, bunch of nerds. If I'm gonna read a book, I'm gonna watch the movie version. Yeah, okay, come on. But yes, uh, so we we got a bonfire going here throughout yeah. the the episode. We're just going to constantly throw in our favorite books. Maddie's got his uh, selection of Harlequin romances over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Mad Magazine and yeah. a, uh, <laughs> erotic imagining of Mad Magazine is actually. And I, I've just got my stack of Hustler here. They're well used. <laughs> uh, you know, the page is no longer all the turn is going to make them burn for a lot longer than it, yeah, I mean, good actually. It's like kerosene. They're just going to light right up. Uh, So yeah, we're we're covering uh, the first of our... I don't know. I guess it's kind of dystopian futures. Uh, This is... uh, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but totalitarian. uh, Yeah, totalitarian. But this kind of fits that. And I think the other films we're talking about kind of fit that... um, dystopian future as well mm. but um, I just want to call people cousins like greetings cousins <laughs> right because <laughs> they're calling these people in the movie all the time yeah uh, th- this is yeah I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk about this because it's it's a little bit different than what we've covered. I think we've mm-hmm. kind of covered a lot of like goofy fun movies, yeah. and this is more of like serious. Like it actually has themes to digest, which yeah. means we're going to probably do a terrible job oh, at it. Terrible, you know. We're, we're not, you know, like first university, uh, first year university students who think they know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's what we're going to sound like, but with way more like cussing and like fart jokes. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I definitely got the gas here. So, uh, <laughs> but before we get into it, uh, anything exciting this weekend? Any movies you watch that you want to talk? about or i uh watched the, i don't want to talk about it but have you heard of that movie called game night it has like uh oh, jason yeah. bateman and uh who's that rachel mcadams. Yeah, rachel mcadams i went and saw that with the wife it's kind of like the game isn't but a comedic version it's exactly what it is but like um it's clearly real because okay. he gets shot so at that point like it takes off all the uh the guessing yeah, yeah. The, the trailer was really weird they were like selling two films it's like it was a comedy but then it's like it almost seemed like this was really happening there was and- zero tenseness to it at all it was more like jokey but i guess what it's supposed to be yeah uh, is what it is i'm gonna 5.5 wow. don't don't see it like okay <laughs> you won't like it cool well i uh watched a couple films i uh, wanted to talk about not really horror but uh, i just want to talk about them because they're really cool flicks um have you seen any of the thomas crown affair films 
Either the original no. from 1968. I saw the one the with Rene Russo re- and remake uh, from 1999. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna actually. I watched both of them, so I'll talk about okay. both. If you if you remember anything from the, the newest I remember Rene Russo gave me a boner. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So I watched the original. Uh, it's uh, yeah. star Steve McQueen. Oh, awesome! And uh, directed by Norman Jewison. Nice. Uh, he directed Star Wars, right? <laughs> no. Um, so it opens up. You have uh, Steve McQueen's putting a team together for a heist. But it's kind of cool. It's done in the way where it's like he's in the shadows and he just kind of throws him money so they don't see him, but he can see them. Okay. So he's putting this heist together, but no one knows who hired who they're hired by. I, I was watching this. I was thinking of, uh, of course, my uh, childish mind, Police Academy 6. <laughs> With the guy behind the screen? Yeah, do you think that was the parody? That would make film? sense, right? Because like, that's been done in a bunch of movies yeah. where there's someone behind, you see their silhouette or yeah. shadow, or the, yeah, they're behind something. The shadow knows. And you don't know who's actually the one hiring, but I, I wonder yeah. if this was the first to do it. Either way, he puts his team together, it opens up with this really cool heist. Um, I was surprised, like, again, this is 1968, but, like, the way Norman Jewis and how it's, the film is all edited, like, it had this kind of modern pace to it. Oh, yeah? Really? Uh, and, and the camera techniques, like, they throw a gas um, down the hall and the camera's like rolling on the ground following it and stuff like it was just really well shot they use a lot of uh, split screen as well to kind of like I guess enhance the pace again yeah I guess it's like Ocean's Eleven yeah exactly it feels kind of like modern editing which I thought was kind of uh, modern heist film kind of cool but yeah the, the opening heist was really cool uh, and then it should be mentioned, I guess it was a surprise to me, like really the film's about he does his heist and it's not about him necessarily planning another big heist. The film is pretty much, um, and you find out he's this rich guy, like he's just doing this for kind of a, to, to get a his, thrill? Yeah, to get his, his rocks off. Uh, but the whole film is actually about Faye Dunaway who's playing an insurance investigator and uh, she's trying to prove that he stole okay. the money. If she can catch the, the criminal, she gets 10% of the... Um, of Value? the stealings, yeah. But it, it kind of becomes, uh, yeah, more of this character piece. And it's like they're kind of playing this cat and mouse between each other. Like she literally walks up to him right away at her introduction says, like, I know you you did this heist. So it's them kind of playing off each I other. I like that. And you don't really know, is there something, like it seems like there's mm-hmm. definitely something between them, but are they each playing each other? Yeah. And it, it's kind of like you don't really find out to the end if there's actually something there or they're yeah. both just playing each other. But yeah, and then there's, there's a heist at the end, which again, it's not like this. Most heist films, you know, it's all about the build up to the final heist. This again film isn't like that it's like you open with a heist and i'll talk about the remake again but it's pretty much the same way like there's the two heist. Hei- there's an opening and, and closing heist but it's not about the planning of the heist it's more like this character piece yeah but it was really well done like did I you thought, enjoy it was it like a movie at a fast pace kind uh of a- yeah like i mean it, it is a slower paced film but it, again it's more of like a drama character arc but i thought you know steve mcqueen is the coolest fucking dude yeah he really is so he? watching him and faye dunaway like it was believable the romance kind of yeah fun interplay between them uh it's got like a jazzy score throughout which was kind of cool and uh yeah i don't know i just came away thinking like i need to check out more norman jewison films because this was well directed again for its time like he's the same guy that did rollerball which is fantastic in the heat of the night which i think i watched recently like in the past year or two yeah yeah, i remember talking about and then yeah so i I need to check out more he also did cincinnati kid which stars steve mcqueen so i'm like fuck i gotta check that out and then yeah i also came away with steve mcqueen again coolest dude (laughs) i mean I've seen Bullet, I've seen The Blob, but I still need to see Great a lot escape. of his films. Like I actually haven't seen, I own The Great Escape and Towering Inferno, but I yeah. haven't watched them, so I'm kind of encouraged to throw them yeah. on now. And uh, The Getaway, I want to see is another one. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the flick. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Oh shit. And now the remake is pretty much, they both follow the same plot, so I, I don't, I'm not going to talk too much about yeah. it. 
same thing. It opens up with a heist and ends in a heist. Uh, what's cool is that um, I, I thought this one both, whereas in the first film, the heists were really well done. And I, yeah. I, I love the editing style and the camera techniques. But this film, it was just cool because they were kind of really different. I don't want to spoil them, but they're both two different the way the heists are both pulled off are very interesting they're kind of something you haven't seen before okay, so cool. I thought that was fun Pierce Brosnan again I think if you're going to get someone to replace Steve McQueen like he's just a he charming, charming motherfucker too, like, right? he's another guy that like after Bond mm-hmm. he kind of faded away but you look in like in the past couple of years he's done a lot of films like November Man that's supposed to yeah. be really good a lot of films that I've been meaning well, to check out well he's doing comedies for a while too like Matador and stuff like that yeah and... yeah so I don't know every film I've seen him in though he's just so charming and like yeah he's likable he's a lovable guy and then Rene Russo in this who you gotta give them credit because you look at this and Rene Russo was 45 at this yeah. time and she's playing this like like almost like a, a, a vixen, vixen. Yeah, yeah like she's like this very sexual character yeah. like she's using her her sexuality, sexuality. to try to uh, catch him in this and there's a sex scene that is like between Rene Reese and Pierce Brosnan it's kind of intense right I was like, so surprised like, they're both showing lots of nudity she's yeah. full I don't know if she's full frontal but her breast she yeah. shows throughout which again I know it's like it just seems like a big deal because you don't see that usually in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Like once an actress gets past a certain point, it's like you know they're they're too old for Hollywood. Yeah. They kind of like Pass fade away. Aside. Whereas this, so I, I give them credit. And, and yeah, like you said, like the sex scene is very like erotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they're like going on tables and yeah. stairs and pouring wine down each other. Like it was very I, uh, I actually, surprising. I, I, I chubbed up. <laughs> So why? Did you? Very steamy. (laughs) Very steamy and rough sex scene. You're avoiding the question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Well, well, that's why I got rid of the Hustler magazines. I realized I no longer need them. Uh, Dennis Leary is in there as the cop that is uh, trying to catch Pierce Brosnan working with I like Dennis Leary as a uh, side character. I always like Dennis Leary. I mean, even, I don't, even as a lead, like, I love the ref. I love two if I see, so. That's true. Uh, Even Rescue Me is fucking amazing. Oh, Rescue Me is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it's so underrated mm-hmm. wicked dramedy about firemen which yeah. kind of relates to uh, yeah. the movie we're talking about tonight but um, except there's no last yeah <laughs> what I was surprised about though this is directed by John McTiernan are you, are you familiar with him no well you will be he directed Predator oh, okay. Die Hard yeah Hunt for the Red October Die Hard with a Vengeance like Rollerball he did the remake which is weird because he, he directed two it's like he did this and was like oh, I pulled this off let's <laughs> see what other Norman Jewison film I can try to better Rollerball was bad right like the remake I, I haven't seen the remake yeah. I picked it up cheap I haven't mm-hmm. had the courage to throw it on but um, it's surprising because yeah he's this like big action movie so when I saw his name attached to this I was kind of worried it was going to like throw away what made the, the original yeah. film so special and just become this big you know action fest but it's not I mean it, it's it's very subdued for him which I was surprised even the music choices like it, it almost has an artsy feel to the film and like the music choices are really interesting kind of unique choice as well so I, I was surprised by this uh, coming from him he didn't shoot the glass out and he had to walk across it did it take place in the Louvre or something like that or the uh well, the, this film, the or, first or film is like bank heist and they're stealing yeah. money. This film, it is, yes, he's stealing like art pieces. Art, yeah. He's an art connoisseur, I guess, art collector. But um, I don't know. I, I'm going to give this one 7 out of 10 as well. I think I might enjoy the original a little yeah, bit more, but, but I would say they're but both. But you're a hipster like that, though, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I think I enjoyed them both yeah. pretty much equally, though, to be honest. I was I was quite surprised. At the, I, and what's cool is that they're both kind of their own thing because, again, they're they, separate movies. Like, I guess, separate Yeah, heists. exactly. You can watch them. Yeah. 
Camino yeah. in a side row, and side. it would feel like you're. you're either, the plot is definitely similar, mm-hmm. but again, they have their own style, and the whole heist thing is a lot different. And the characters are are quite a bit different. So yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I definitely enjoyed those. I'm on this heist kick. Both of those films kind of got me on this heist kick. So I watched one more, but I'll save it till next week. But. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going through heist films. Heist, there's something about they are pretty them. Amazing. I love them. They're just I so love, fun. Like, like, we need a grease man. We need a wheel man. I love the uh, I love the uh, ragtag group of guys. And the build together. up, yeah, the build yeah. up to it. Um, there's always that one tense scene where like something's not happening, and the warden's walking back, or the yeah. uh, bank manager's walking back. So they're back. Oh yeah, they, they do. It's always like you yeah. know, are they going to make it? And they always. Yeah. It seems like everything goes wrong, and they're not going to. Yeah. But they always end up. Uh, did you watch anything else? Or? I watched actually the Birdman or the uh, Virtue of Ignorance. Or what was it called? Oh yeah, the um... Michael Keaton once kind of done like rope. Like, yeah, all yeah, in yeah. Shot. This movie was amazing. Who's the director? Of that same guy that did Children of Men, mm-hmm. um, Revenant. Same director as Revenant, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Alejandro. Alejandro. Yeah, I'm not. I won't pronounce his yeah. last name. But didn't he win? He won the Oscar for this, and he won it for Revenant. Didn't I he? think Two so. Yeah, row? that's crazy. Yeah, but this um, movie deserved it. It was awesome. It was like interesting too. Like I enjoyed the. Uh, fact like again you don't notice it after like the first five minutes and then which is kind of yeah dope where it's all kind of like it's like fake to be mm. all one take i guess like the camera is constantly moving it never really stops yeah yeah a lot of long shots yeah i i, I really dug that aspect it was dope it. it was a film that like there's there's not much to it it's a, it's a, a dialogue driven film yeah. but it, it just moves at a fast pace like you read what the plies and you think this will be kind of boring but yeah. it, it never really and is you don't really know what's happening because yeah. it's always like that almost like supernatural element but you don't yeah. know if him just like losing his mind and shit like that yeah, yeah. which is kind of cool and even the ending leaves it very ambiguous and he was uh, supposed to play this part right like he certainly was yeah oh, it was made for him yeah. I mean it's him definitely you know I love Michael Keaton like, oh yeah I yeah. think he's like uh, yeah, it's so nice to see him back. Uh, right? Like, yeah, he, I, I don't know if he was tough to work with or what, but... I, I heard that he's just like, I just wanted to raise kids. I, oh, okay. I, I, he, I guess he got Batman money. He's like, yeah, listen, I'm yeah. just going to go hang out with my kids for a bit, and once they're old enough, I'll get back into it. Yeah, but yeah, I'm definitely happy to see him. I mean, he was the best part of the, the recent Spider-Man film. Oh, yeah. So. That movie would have been absolutely like horseshit if it wasn't for him, yeah. I think. But And, and everyone was good in this. Emma Stone was good. Yeah. Edward Norton. Edward Norton was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was that guy, uh, the comedy guy, uh, Zach Galifianakis, okay, was really good in this, too. Yeah, I, I watched this when it first came out. I mm-hmm. believe it made my top 10 of the year Did but it? I, I don't even remember uh, it's definitely a film I need to revisit yeah it's awesome what, what are you going to give it I got to give it 8 out of 10 man oh wow yeah, nice it's cool uh, I watched um, The Return of Godzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla 1985. Awesome. Even though it was made in 1984, but I guess in America it came out in 85. Makes sense. This was like the, this was the film where, you know, there... Godzilla had kind of went down the, the path where he's battling all these monsters. American audiences, you know, it was kind of became this cult thing. And this was them trying to like reboot Godzilla for, you know, reboot Godzilla as the villain instead yeah, of being the like hero a f- a f- and make it something again yeah. for Mar- American audiences can yeah. enjoy as well. But uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a reboot, but it is a sequel to the first film. They kind of pretend those other sequels didn't happen with Godzilla as the hero. Yeah. This is just like he comes back years later and he's angry and he's going to fuck shit up again. And <laughs> drop more bombs. He doesn't like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, really cool opening scene where there's like these fishermen and that's where Godzilla first pops up out of the island, rises like out of the head? island. Uh, yeah, something like that. And it's like a storm or something. It's really well done, really cool. But um, anyways, this this other um, sailor comes upon the, the ship mm-hmm. and it, it felt, it reminded me a lot of the scene from the, the fog where he finds this abandoned boat and he goes on it and there's all these corpses everywhere that's cool and then there ends up being like this big 
parasitic creature that attacks. So I don't know. It was kind of fun. But yeah, it's pretty much Godzilla as a villain. There's not really much to this. He's going to go and destroy stuff. They constantly contemplate. You have, you know, where they meet with all the the, the world leaders and Americans are kind of there as kind of buffoonish. What are we going to do about yeah. Godzilla? <laughs> well, they all want to nuke him. Russians are all like gung-ho too. Like, yeah, let's just nuke him, nuke him. And Japan's like, no, like we don't want the follow. We don't want- This happened to us once before. Yeah. This is bad, bad idea, guys. We don't want our cities, you know, destroyed and, and useless for 10 years or however long it takes. So they're trying to come up with other options. Uh, there is kind of this spaceship, um, not really spaceship, but kind of this like future tech uh, armored vehicle that they call the Super X or something, and it it has all these missiles like, like, and all like this a, technology, a jet, a jet laser, something jet weird, yeah, like hovers around and whatever. But uh, you have that. Um, the characters again, they're okay. It's what you expect yeah. from these kind of films. But it was kind of fun in that again, like my favorite Godzilla is the original, and I really a lot mm-hmm. of people don't, but I really enjoyed the uh, most recent remake because I always enjoy- Brian Cranston and the yeah, 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 exactly. I always enjoy the films were it's Godzilla he's not really the hero I guess in the newest one he kind of was but still it wasn't like all close up to Godzilla fighting and yeah. stuff it wasn't silly goofy fun it actually kind of like Told Godzilla was in the background and when he ever mm-hmm. showed up you were kind of frightened I enjoy that I, right? I like that so I had fun with it but it, it's what you expect from a Godzilla mm-hmm. film I would give it probably six and a half out, okay. of, out of ten and yeah, yeah, I enjoy these ones that are kind of like again they have a theme to them. It's not, it's not just, just like, like two like monsters fighting. It's like each other. we're going to tackle the issues of yeah. you know what would a monster and how, what was the effects yeah. of the nuclear bomb that you know testing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, and I like the look of Godzilla on this. I thought his his face was a little bit goofy, but it was still a little bit wonky. It, it still looked pretty cool. The effects and the practical. I always enjoy the the practical effects. I'll, I'll yeah, take a, the, someone in a suit any day over like. The CGI, CGI, like that '90s CGI movie Abomination, which is terrible. Did you watch anything else? No, that's. I think that's it for me this week. I got one more. I'll quickly talk about. Just released last week from 2018, Batman Ninja. This is the newest DC animated film. Uh, This was done by any Lego in it. No, this is actually done by. It's an anime film. It's um, done by a Japanese team, and it's pure insanity. Magna. Yeah, pretty much. It, so one thing, the animation looks fantastic. Like it's one of the best looking films yeah. they've put out, which is really cool. And the, the story is kind of fascinating. So it opens up like it literally just throws you in the action. Batman is stopping General Grodd. He has a time machine, and you find out that you later on find out that he was going to sell this time machine. So all the villain Gotham's finest are there to to uh, bid on this time machine. Oh, cool! And then Batman and all the different Robins and the Red Hood, and Nightwing are there to stop him as well. And the time machine, whatever goes off and they all get sucked back in time to feudal Japan. Oh, that's um, kind of badass. And I guess when Batman I, gets this there... This is Ninja Turtles 3. Yeah. It's the plot of Ninja Turtles 3, right? <laughs> Pretty much. You find okay. out when Batman gets there that some people have got there throughout... Some people have got there, yeah. you know, two years have passed. In Batman's case, some people have got there, you know, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the villains have got there earlier and they've all set up their clan so they all have their own fortresses and all their, their soldiers. Yeah. But yeah, one thing is, I mean, it is pure anime, so you're either okay with the yeah. craziness of it, and you just accept the quirkiness and the, like, the yeah, of <laughs> or or you're not a fan of anime and you'll hate yeah. it. Um, I, I was kind of in the mixed area. I, I was kind of hoping like you have all these clans. I was thinking it'd be cool to have all these like this big epic war with hundreds of soldiers and yeah, samurais awesome, right? and everything and ninjas. But unfortunately, it doesn't. It's like they just. 
their fortresses like transform into these big robots because yeah. it's very anime. And instead, you just have these big robots fighting each other. Then all these like monkeys form together and they form a giant monkey that <laughs> attacks it. Like this is this movie's insane. Then there's bats and it forms a f- giant bat and it's smashing these robots. So this is pretty much like Godzilla with Batman, right? <laughs> it's it's pretty much yeah, yeah. like some kind of Gundam. Like the, the, the Japanese, they love their big giant robots, yeah. and that's what you're getting in this. So. It's just very quirky. Robin, he has like a pet monkey in it. Like <laughs> he has a flute, and he's the one that like plays a tune I, I, that brings I know, the monkeys uh, together. I really and... want to see that based on what you're describing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I think everyone should give it a shot, just mm-hmm. because. I mean, again, yes, it's big, stupid fun, but it, at the same time, it's unique, and you've never mm-hmm. seen anything like this, and you probably won't ever see anything like this. Like it, it is just really, really weird. It, it's a trip. It's like. It's like you're tripping out watching Batman, <laughs> but the animation's really cool. The action scenes are really cool. Uh, I don't. I don't really have too much to say about because really there is no plot. Really, it's yeah. them. They're trying to get this time machine back, and it's just them fighting in various giant and robots in their fighting. their fortresses with our giant robot arms <laughs> popping out. Bane's Makes in sense. there. He's like a big sumo wrestler, and <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna give it five and a half out of ten. Okay. I didn't enjoy it as much as everyone else. But did you see the Killing Joke? The animation? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't dig this at all. No. Like I felt like uh, there was like a story that was tacked into it. Yeah. It just didn't make sense whatsoever. I'm behind the last like bunch. Like I've been buying them, but I just haven't yeah. been watching. But Have this you one, Gaslight. Uh, no, I need to pick that yeah. one up. Uh, I, I'm missing two. I'm missing that one and I'm missing Batman and Harley Quinn I think it was called okay. which I didn't hear too many great things about it and then I have a couple before that that I just haven't got around to um, I don't know why I mean that, that one point I was buying them right away and watching them I was, and I was enjoying them I was excited but maybe it was Killing Joke because the last one I was kind of like yeah it kind of yeah. bummed me out a bit but um, this one again I would say is worth a watch and I'm definitely glad I grabbed it Yeah, it was just something like just the trailers were just so weird it's like I have to watch this how are they going to do it this it sounds insane <laughs> to me but yeah, that, that's all. I guess uh, if you have nothing else to talk you about, get into we'll it, try cousin? to keep this episode at a reasonable length. Yeah. Yeah, I have some more to talk about. I'll save it for next week. Let's jump into it. Here is the trailer for Fahrenheit 451 from 1966. Fahrenheit 451. The story that takes you into another world, another time. Provoking, exciting love story from the famed novel by Ray Bradbury. Fahrenheit 451, the motion picture that presents the darling of the stars, Academy Award winner Julie Christie, in a dual role portraying two women in love with the same man. Here she is as Clarice, the ardent rebel, and as Linda, the wife. Sensual, artless, beautiful. Linda? You're absolutely fantastic. She is indeed fantastic, as she stars with another award-winning favorite of the international cinema. Watch for him. Oscar Banner as Montag. How did it come about? How could someone like you be doing this kind of work? Fahrenheit 451. Co-stars Cyril Cusack, Anton Diffring. What have you got there? This your special book? It's got to be burned by the others and you're under arrest. Brilliantly directed by Francois Truffaut, one of the leading young talents in world cinema. Calling all citizens. 
wanted for murder, Montag. Occupation, Fireman. Fahrenheit 451 is the film everyone will be talking about for its originality of treatment. Fahrenheit 451, the film of tomorrow with the big stars of today. Julie Christie and Oscar Venner. In a future totalitarian and oppressive society, a fireman whose duty it is to destroy all books begins to question his task. Yes, we are talking about the very serious... Very serious. Almost woodenly serious. Yeah, almost dry. Um, Fahrenheit 451 from 1966. This is, uh, I guess, considered a classic film by Francois Truffaut, who's probably... Did Most you? know, and I, I pretty much know him as the actor in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That makes sense. <laughs> I actually haven't checked. Have you checked out any of his work? No. Uh, 400 Blows or um, Jewels and Jim? No, I haven't actually. He, he does a lot of films. That... Wait a second. There's a song called Jewels and Jim. Yeah. 400 Blows. Yeah. These aren't adult movies or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He was... Um, these are films that you would see Criterion release. Like, okay, they're very they're artsy, like kind of. He was one of the, the founders of the French New Wave, where oh, okay. before that, they were making, like, these dry period films. Mm-hmm. And then he came in and was like, we can do these films. Like, we can have camera... Let's, let's have a camera that's, you know, not on a tripod. It will yeah. flow with the scene. And, and we can tackle real issues and, and real people. And, and not just so... He, he was part of that whole scene, which again I, I don't know enough to talk about because yeah. uh, he's he's a guy I've, I've heard the name I've heard these films, but I haven't had a chance to check out them. Criterion are, are so expensive, That's so crazy, right? I, I try to get a couple every year and try to tackle some of them, but I am behind on my true foe. Mm-hmm. But I definitely wanted. I'm definitely curious. I mean, this film interested me. I, I think in, in checking out more of his work, but um, this was actually his first. And only English film. Oh, really? And uh, his first film in color. So Cool. Uh, for anyone wondering, Fahrenheit 451, the title is, of course, which is not exactly true, but this yeah. is what um, a fireman told Ray Bradbury, and yeah. he ran with it. It's the, the temperature that uh, paper catches fire, which... That makes sense. The whole plot of the film is uh, books are outlawed. They didn't really get into why they were outlawed. Well, they, they you know say because like it it makes people emotional, e- emotional, and like it it made people like um, depressed and whatnot. Yeah, I get it. But it just he even reads like a poem like this, and the one girl de- cries. Depressing, yeah, and she cries because she relates mm-hmm. to like I guess it was uh, was it Oliver Twist he was reading? Yeah, I'm uh, trying to remember. Or Dave, uh, David Copperfield. David Copperfield. I think. Okay, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's pretty much they, they don't really they just throw you in this sto- dystopian yeah. society. And you just know books are outlawed. They go around if you have a book, they burn yeah. your books. If you're wearing long hair, they'll cut it in the street. They don't care. <laughs> and uh, yeah, possibly even burn your house yeah. down if if you uh, do not R- comply uh, comply with their rules. What do they call them undesirables? We'll just send those camps full of undesirables, which I assume yeah, is yeah. probably just like a uh, uh, maybe like an internment camp or something like that. They didn't really get into where these undesirables yeah, go. Yeah. Um, it's written by Francois Truffaut, helped write it along with uh, Jean-Louis Richard, who uh, also wrote The Bride Who Wore Black, another Truffaut film. And he wrote a manual. Do you know what these Emmanuel films are? No. There's like 
20 of them or it's something. Like by and Jesus? No, they're, they're kind of like a soft core. She was like this hot woman oh, that yeah. kind of got in sexual escapades. But the reason I bring it up is because they also did, um, I believe it was uh, Ital- Italy, put out black Emmanuel films, and it was pretty much just a black <laughs> soft core. But they did all these crazy ones. I actually just bought one because uh, it's called Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, I believe. That sounds amazing. But they kind of did these like, like kind of sexual films, but they would add like. Yeah, Vampires like cannibals and shit. And shit. <laughs> yeah, like kind of cool, like genre stuff. So I, I've that one of them was like a Nazi camp one. Like they, they're all supposed to be kind of like you know, Exploit- yeah, exploitive? some cool exploitation films. So uh, yeah, I have to check Women out in the, prison kind the of cannibal. Shit going on. Cannibal one. Um, the, the story, of course, is written by uh, the, the classic story by Ray Bradbury. I actually thought he did a lot more Writing? work that I recognized. Yeah, like a lot more stuff that's been adapted. Like he did, he did. Um, uh, something Wicked This Way Comes, yeah. uh, Sound of Thunder, which is the classic one where they accidentally you, you know, mess with time yeah. and it, the effects it has. Uh, we've talked about many times uh, one of our high recommends for October, Halloween Tree. But he didn't do... Yeah, like he didn't do that. He much. was supposed to like books, right? Yeah, like yeah. I just thought I always yeah. I always thought he I always get him mixed up with like Richard Matherson. Yeah, who did I imagine he had like tons of stuff that's been adapted. Mm-hmm. But Ray Bradbury, not as much. He did a lot more. Like a lot of his stuff was adapted for TV and yeah. TV shows. I know he had his own sci-fi TV oh, anthology did, right? series the last couple of seasons. But he did was he do the Outer Limits guy too. Did he write some of the Outer Limits? Um, I, I wouldn't no? be surprised. I know yeah. some of his stuff was adapted uh, for yeah. EC Comics. Yeah, he did something called the Martian Chronicles, which sounds kind of cool. Where Earth is like depleted so they they go to mars and set up camp but then they get in a war with the martians there but apparently it, it was supposed to be made into a movie but it never happened like the rights were bought but it sounds kind of interesting and he also did write it came from outer space and beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms oh, uh, the harry hausen flicks and uh the moby dick the john houston uh film from 1956 which i actually picked up from twilight time i've been meaning to watch he so wrote i'll have to moby throw dick? that in not the oh, book he, he wrote okay. sorry he wrote the adaptation okay. but all the other ones were uh, yeah, based books. on his work yeah. but that one he just wrote yeah. the the movie script makes sense. but uh it's one i've been meaning to check out uh score was done by bernard herman the score was epic i was actually like listening like wow this actually the, the score seemed better than the movie per se see i I don't know. Like, I didn't find it that memorable. I remember I not having any problems with it. But then, before we record this episode, mm. I kind of threw on some tracks on YouTube to see if it, like... Jarred? Yeah, it kind of um, ignited my yeah. uh, my memory of whether I enjoyed it or not. And, and it, it was decent. But I, to me, it didn't hit the same, like... Bernard Herman is like... Oh, yeah, dude. I he, was, he did, like, all the hit I didn't know films, it was Bernard Herman. So, Psycho, North by Northwest. Listen, if I known it was Bernard Herman, I'd be like, wow, this is, like, kind of like a swing and a miss for him. Yeah, it's... But, like, when I'm, like, I was watching, I was like, wow... This movie felt like um, it didn't have the right to have that kind of music behind it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It could have been more like a, a plunky, like... It's yeah. this like grand scale of a yeah. symphony. No, it, it, it's definitely, it's not bad. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I thought it was decent, but it didn't, again, you know, Bernard Herrmann, who has yeah, done so many, done cla- all the, the Harry Hodgson yeah. classics. Like, I remember watching like Jason the Argonauts or Seventh mm-hmm. Voyage of Sinbad, and right away, you know, that score comes yeah. on, you're like, this is awesome. Or like all the Hitchcock films, North by Northwest, yeah. Vertigo, Vertigo Psycho Special, insane, The Birds, right? like those scores, right when they come on, they're memorable. Yeah. So he has just such a classic filmography behind him uh, that uh, I found this one not as memorable yeah. as, as some of his other classic works but uh, I guess before we get in the cast do, should we just um, kind of throw out our, yeah. our overall thoughts I um, watching this movie I was like I wouldn't say I was bored I was like okay this is interesting but it felt very droll yeah but I, as uh, the next day I, w- I was thinking about it quite a bit like wow this is kind of 
Yeah. Interesting. Especially that scene where, um, I don't want to give anything away, but they're like, I'm going to be on TV, sweetheart. And then they uh, pack the thing, like, so they're doing like a dialogue. And then when yeah. your TV glows, you answer. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of what's happening right now. Like, oh, yeah. hey, if you like this guy, text 1877 to vote for Kelly. You know, yeah. that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's definitely some things in there mm. that are, are kind of a hint to our present and time. And as, like, uh, some people can't even read, like, a full, like, uh, article, mm-hmm. they'll just kind of, like, uh, scroll through it. We can't keep our uh, focus for yeah. more than yeah. uh, 30 seconds at a time, right? So, which is kind of crazy. What, what Kyle, were you, what you Kyle, saying? Kyle, yeah. Kyle, talking to you, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, even the themes, I mean, the reason we decided to tackle these films is because uh, they're actually remaking this one for HBO. I think it starts uh, any any day now. I think they do need to remake uh, with, this. Uh, with uh, Michael warm. B. Jordan is going to be yeah. in that one in Michael Shannon, which sounds fantastic. I'm curious if it's going to be like... Um Modern day, or go back to like the seventies kind of deal. I think or it like, is gonna. I think it's gonna be a, there a, a dystopian, dystopian future. future. Like it's a future from yeah. this point. But yeah, watch this film again. I didn't hate it, but I yeah. didn't love it. I, I just kind of felt like it. It was pretty good. I, I kind of I heard a lot of people consider this a classic. It got really high ratings, so mm-hmm. I kind of expect a little more. So in that sense, I guess I came away a little bit disappointed. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely a film where I would be fine with a remake. I, I think there's definitely a lot of potential to make definitely to do it better. Is. But yeah, the themes, I mean, are definitely... I felt that there was no tension whatsoever. Like, um, I felt the guy was really wooden. Yeah, and we'll get into that. Yeah. I agree. I, I He was probably my biggest problem mm-hmm. with the film. I thought, I get it. There's supposed to be this kind of like... Soldier with no uh, emotion, no... Exactly. Uh, but, pitch. I thought but it he, didn't come across no. like the way it sucks to make a leading man have yeah. no emotion almost like a wooden block well there's a film we're going to cover um, later on in, in our series here uh, I guess I can spoil Equilibrium yeah. Yeah. which is pretty much stole this story yeah. but then added these amazing fucking yeah, gun caught exactly. but I think Christian Bale does a, a better job in that where he's like the very monotone very like dull yeah. character but as it goes on you see him change this he, film I didn't really get that intense right like this guy is yeah. almost he's supposed to be like this intense soldier but he's almost just like like a meek kind of guy yeah. who's like oh I, I like reading now it's like but even you, you never really got that changeover like even Whatsoever. when he starts reading the books you don't and even you know by the end I never thought you saw much of a change yeah. he was still kind of boring and tall yeah um, my favorite part of this movie was actually his chief to be honest with you like that guy kind of added a bit of like liveliness to it yeah the, the captain yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I would say that the highlight for me was Julie Christie plays his wife, and did you realize that was the same actress playing his wife and the girl? I didn't. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So she plays the wife, and she plays the young girl. That is so cool, actually. Who he meets on the train and, and starts his, she starts talking about books, and, and she's the one that kind of piques his interest, and mm. eventually, you know, th- there's definitely something developing between them. But yeah, I thought she was fantastic that... I, I noticed it pretty early on, but I, I thought the performances were so different that I could definitely see people watching it and not notice. Didn't which even notice. I guess in your case you didn't, which is, is kind of cool. But she's from uh, Dr. Z- Zavago, is that how you say Dr. it? Dr. Zavago. Zavago, but also uh, one of... Uh, a, f- a film I feel is very underrated, or at least I don't. I guess it's it's pretty popular in the the art kind of yeah. that world, but I don't hear uh, horror fans talk about it enough. Don't look now, which I remember being a really cool that's film. That's one with Donald. Donald uh, Sutherland. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that yeah, movie. Yeah, so she's the mother in that. That's film. That's one they go to like Italy, uh, and his son, no, his daughter. 
yeah. his child dies. Uh, yeah, he in the lake. In an river. accident, but then he keeps on seeing, seeing her, her throughout the streets, and it's and a very, like, very cool he's movie. He's constructing this cathedral. Yeah, that movie's amazing. And you don't know if yeah. it's, yeah, exactly. I, we, I we won't spoil movie. anything, but it's a very, very cool movie. But she was the uh, the mother in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, uh, I guess I can throw this out there, Jane Fonda was actually offered the role of Julie yeah. Christie. I don't know why she didn't From, take uh, the it. From the Tom Cranston affair? Thomas no, Cranston that affair? was uh, Faye Dunaway. Oh, uh, Faye Dunaway. Jane Fonda is yeah. Jane Fonda. Yeah. I know Jane Fonda. I thought that um, was... Tippy Hedren was also offered oh, it, but crazy. Hitchcock was not having any of it. No. <laughs> he, he would not allow her to take the role because that whole thing where he pretty much Owned controlled her. her. Um, and Jean Seberg, I'm not really sure. I'm trying to think of who that is. I, I can't think of her at the moment. But um, she was going to be cast for this part, but they decided yeah. she wasn't bankable enough. So uh, Julie Christie got it. And Julie Christie was so excited, I guess, to probably to work with Truffaut because he was a big name at yeah. the time that she actually, she I guess, she normally took on roles for $400,000 and she said, I'll do this for half the amount. Oh, crazy. Just because she wanted to work with uh, him. But yeah, did you, do you have any other thing you want to... Uh, I'm curious if they built that monorail for the movie or if it's actually like a monorail in England. I actually, I, I was reading up and apparently it was something that was built for England, but it, it never like, I, I think after this movie it got taken down. I guess it was kind of in its like... Prelim stages, yeah, exactly, and then it, it never because uh, that looked go. kind of cool. If they, they just built yeah. that for this, like, well, that was kind of a yeah. production value. And the nightmare scene, I, I love nightmare scenes in movies. I think that the best part of any movie is when, like, uh, the guy's dreaming and he's like, sees all this like jarring images, yeah, and, like a colors changing. And this movie did it really well, too. Yeah, there's a lot of weird um scenes this film that I. I wanted to talk about editing. It seems like the editing was so wonky as well, too. Like it just cut very weird places. Yeah. I, again, I wonder if that's just like at the time it was just them trying that to like the style. go again or them going against the grain with again bringing that French wave into uh, mm-hmm. American films or British films. I'm not sure what this was, but. I thought the opening was really well done where it's just the score. Mm-hmm. There's no dialogue for like the first five minutes and you have these firemen break into a home, get the books, they throw them all it? out as a crowd watches and they burn them. I thought like right away it kind of set you up and you know like yeah. the tone of the film. But unfortunately, I feel like the film was kind of missing that interesting rush I got from yeah. the beginning. It, it, I don't know, like that where you get the, because the, the guy that is in the house gets a, like an anonymous phone yeah. call and we never know who, who was the tipped one that called off. him, tipped him off. But uh, maybe I'm assuming you're supposed to think it was the the young girl. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, and so he gets a call and runs off, and they come in, and they're ripping all the books from all the different hiding spots. Taking out the TV and shit like that. Yeah, that was fun part really cool. they hit all the books, I thought. And again, when you open the film, I'm like, oh, I'm going to really dig this. And I find, like, the film was missing a lot of that. Like, even when they go to the other, like, later on, like, they just felt like it, it felt like it was missing that, like, injection of, like, energy that the film kind of needed. It was pretty, like, drawl. Okay, I want to talk about the elite actor. It seems like they could have got anybody to play this that would have done a better job. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about him. Okay. So Oscar Warner plays Guy Montag. Uh, Montag, sorry. Uh, he was the star of Jules and Jim, uh, okay. Truffaut's film. He also did Spy Who Came In From The Cold and Voyage of the Damned. Here's the weird thing. So Jules and Jim is considered one of Truffaut's cl- like, most yeah. famous films. I, I assume they worked well enough together that he would hire him for this. Mm-hmm. But apparently early on, they just did not get along at all. There was, like, confrontation. Oh, wow. Uh, the whole movie between them. Truffaut asked Warner to forgo heroics and act with a level of modesty, but Warner chose to play it with arrogance. Truffaut said he disliked his stilted performance Warner gave 
and insisted he play it like a monkey discovering books for the first time, sniffing at them, you know, kind of like uh, really? something new, which would have been, I, I think that would have been more interesting, like it, it, kind yeah. of adding some kind of pulse to his yeah. character. But I guess Warner argued that science fiction films called robotic-like performances, and really that's what he gave Yeah. Apparently, even in the end, like uh, I guess he cut his hair, so there's a continuity error, and he was just like, "Fuck it," just to like piss off Truffaut. Oh, that's nice. And like, yeah, I guess for two weeks or something, the final two weeks, they didn't talk to each other at all. <laughs> uh, I guess this is a project that Truffaut like loved. Apparently, Truffaut wasn't really into science fiction, but one of his buddies like, "Here, you got to read this." And then he became like, this was like his passion project. He became he, obsessed he with it, it for eh? years. I think like six years he worked on pre-production on it and he, he declared that uh, he wouldn't have wasted six years of his life if he knew it was going to be you know th- this with this with this actor um, uh, that stinks yeah he said he, he would have left the set like a shot but yeah it, it's unfortunate and in I agree with Truffaut in this case. Like, yeah. I, I think maybe I, I get that you need to play it kind of robotic at first, but I think you need to have an arc, and I don't he find we saw that with needed. him. Like, he was like stiff from the beginning. I yeah. can see, like, okay, when you're like uh, in line for promotion, I get that. But the, yeah. if you're a fireman, there should still be a. Um, Almost like an intensity to you, yeah. right? And when you kind of, well, I felt there was no tragedy. There was no um, inflection when you saw the girl being burnt alive. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Even and, when his wife like passed out, he just didn't seem like he cared. Like, and he it, played it so stiff. Well, and I didn't even find any chemistry between yeah. him and, and the, the woman either, the young woman. Yeah. But yeah, let's bring up the scene you mentioned. So there's a scene they find this older woman. They find out she has like this. She has this huge library hidden yeah. in her house, like that's like the jackpot for these firemen, and they're burning all the books. But this older woman refuses to leave, and she says, "I'm going to stand here and burn with the books." And that's what happens. Yeah. Which I thought was a really cool scene. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned that that he didn't have any um, really reaction to that, and apparently he refused. He said, "Like I'm not doing a scene with fire. I'm not going to be in a in a room where there's flames." And Truffaut's like, the "Dude, movie you, I know Fahrenheit. You knew you were yeah. playing a fireman. Like, why would you sign on if you refuse?" So they had to actually had a stunt double for that part. <laughs> um, this guy kind of sounds like an asshole. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, we yeah, don't know the whole yeah. story, but I definitely get the impression that he was a bit of a deviator in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, one cool part of that scene, though, I didn't really notice. You can kind of see one of the last pages that's burning in the fire is um, an image of Joan of Arc, which kind of oh, relates to she cool, got burnt actually. alive for her convictions, yeah. which is kind of cool. It's cool that they had like such a wide variety of books being burnt too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, that was kind of cool. like, they had, like they had Mad Magazine, they had Mein Kampf, they had like a, yeah. Yeah, Learning Brazil or shit like that. Well, yeah, they were just going to do like classic books, and they said yeah. fuck it. And I think a lot of those were like Truffaut's favorites or something. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, apparently, they only wanted to have um, books that were in public domain, the producers, because they're kind of worried. I guess yeah. someone would be like. You know, try to sue them for burning, burning their, their book, book on. But Truffaut's like fuck it. Like people will be happy to have their book burnt in that's this movie. Exactly. So. Going back to Oscar Warner, Guy Montag, yeah. uh, various act- other actors were up for the role: Marlon Brando, Paul Newman, which would have been both Paul of those Newman would have been would interesting. Have been way yeah, Jean Paul Belmondo, Montgomery Cliff, Charles and not. Aznavour and Peter O'Toole they're all oh, considered um, one guy though Terrence Stamp was actually the one first hired for the role but I guess his um, fear of fire kept him away from this <laughs> no he was actually in a relationship with uh, Julie Christie before so uh, and they had broken up so he thought it would be, be awkward a bit weird. and then on top of it when he found out she was playing both roles he, he thought he'd get overshadowed which I mean I guess yeah. he probably would have because she was again in my opinion the, the, yeah. the star of the movie 
So did you notice these fire poles? They went up reverse ways. Yeah, I have no idea how they did that, and it's been kind of bugging me too. Like, like how would they do that? That's, that's well, weird, they just right? would have rerun the footage. I but assume. they didn't. Like, there was no cuts. Like, unless they like talked backwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they could, they added it all. They did it. I'm sure. But yeah, that's again. There's a lot of weird scenes in this film that I wanted to bring up with you and that's one of them it mm. makes no sense to, like because there's nothing else that's really like fantasy like in the film well there are like that really weird scene at the end where the three guys have like the backpacks oh yeah the jetpack that looks kind of weird but yeah I don't know that seemed really weird there's there's a scene too where you find out these students they like get in the room and he's like I told you you guys can't sit with each other and then they get sent to like the, the captain office? yeah pretty much the captain the principal's yeah. office that's never addressed. Like, what was the point of the scene? We never I have know no what idea. they were up to. Um, there's a scene where the the firemen go to the park and they're harassing all the women and children. I thought that books, was kind of fun, which was cool. But did you notice there's like randomly a guy that's like in the corner making out with that you was know, weird. Where you right? wrap your arms around each other, pretend you're making yeah. out with someone, and then it, it's just him making out with himself. Like, mm-hmm. it was a weird scene that was just thrown yeah. in for like, and it's like, why? What? And like, there's like a baby that has like a tiny book, and the guy's like, "Well, oh, you shouldn't be having this young baby." Yeah, like. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of weird scenes in this. Um, so his uh, wife, I guess, is constantly, everyone's constantly taking pills. They're all drugged up in this. But she overdoses, and he calls the uh, doctors over. And a funny little scene where, like, they, uh, they're they like, oh, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Like, this, like, happens all the time, I guess. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just replace her blood. She'll be fine tomorrow. She might be really hungry or whatever. But there's a funny scene. I don't know if you know. He's like, he's like, her sexual appetite will be back, right? He kind of, like, gives him, like, almost like that. Like, uh, Well, did you notice, too, though, where they, they uh, go and you see them, like, you don't actually see them take off her clothes, but you, you just see them, like, okay, and you just kind of see them start taking off her clothes. And then, they, like, it cuts away and you just hear the guy giggle like a schoolboy, no. like a prepubescent uh <laughs> Children, I thought that was as I remove her dress was kind of like mm-hmm. this weird little comedic moment. There I guess is like a weird. Um, this movie has no tone. It goes like back and forth between like these weird moments and. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a, it's it's just a very serious moment. But yeah. then it's like again, maybe this is like French humor. Yeah. But there's these weird like yeah, there's just weird moments and scenes that don't really like. And you can ignore them. They don't really affect the plot at all, mm. but they're just there and they're not really ever explained. It's just like, that's weird. The other thing is too, do you notice they're all constantly like rubbing their neck and looking at their neck? Like, yeah. And that's never explained either what any of that means. Like, I have no idea. I wonder if it's something to do with the drugs. That's what I was thinking. But again, yeah. like they don't really like that. Talk about it. Address it at all. And then there's another scene too where I guess the, the captain, he has his medal and he's going to give it to someone. And then... Uh, He's just like, oh, remind me to give you this uh, personal medal. And then the guy's just like, I already have one, sir. And that that's the scene. Like, what was the point <laughs> of that scene? That's I, weird, right? There's just a lot of like, again, like, I, I feel like this film, maybe if it was edited a little bit tighter and you got rid of all these kind of useless scenes, it might have had to... a better flow to it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Another thing I want to talk about is the actual fire trucks look kind of dope, right? Because well, they're, they're all just sitting around like, almost like they're on like a... Uh, uh, va- surf vacation. <laughs> yeah, like it's all—it's a way of all the firemen just to stand. It's like mm-hmm. it's pretty much a board with like a piece for them to yeah. hold, hold themselves on. Yeah. Uh, you did mention Cyril Cusack plays um, the captain. I, I agree. He he was fun. He at least had a bit of a personality. There's this cool scene where they they're breaking in and they're going to destroy all the books, and I, you can kind of know he knows that um, guy has yeah has been. Diving into uh, books, books, and he kind of addressed it, like kind of hints it. 
it's perfectly natural to be curious what's in these books. But well, and he, he goes because apparently me. he was like there yeah. before, when books were a thing, and he kind of addresses like, you know, you're not missing anything, and why you know books have to be removed mm-hmm. and everything. So I guess that kind of addresses a yeah, little, a little bit, of, bit of the reasoning behind it. I think it's one of those ones. It's like you just have to accept that it's kind of a ridiculous premise, but you're in this world. It's so like obviously you it. need reading for yeah. certain yeah. things. I mean, you can't go through your life without reading. Mm-hmm. Well, I can try. <laughs> But yeah, you you have to accept it. But um, I guess this could be considered maybe a high concept film. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, he, he which is kind of cool is because the um, a film we're going to talk about later on, 1984, he also stars in. That. Oh, excellent! So he did both of the kind of the most famous dystopian, uh, dystopian to- totalitarian. Mm. I'm not going to say that name. Yeah. Uh, films, uh, but he's also in Far and Away with my boy Tom Cruise, Day of the Jackal. He did, kind of a cool little tidbit. He did Deep Red, but just he did one of the dubbing of one of the oh, characters okay. in there. And um, he did a bunch of cool Italian crime flicks, uh, Italian Connection, which I have. Supposed to be cool. I haven't watched it though. Mm-hmm. Caliber Nine. So I'm trying to. I, I want to get into the Italian crime flicks. I heard they're pretty crazy. So I've been kind of buying up the. Oh, you've seen the Italian job, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe I'll, I'll talk about those in a bit. But yeah, other characters considered for his part were Lawrence Olivier, uh, Sterling Hayden, and uh, Michael Redgrave. Mm-hmm. Um, Lawrence uh, Olivier would have been an interesting, It'd be an interesting choice. choice, actually. But I think uh, I, I, I think he's got a like good job. Guy, yeah. He had a bit of levity where it was needed. Yeah. He was joking around too with like a Montag when like he's like I don't want to give anything away, but he's like as shit's going down in Montag's life, he's like busting his balls. Like, well, no, you go ahead and burn this, man. Yeah. You go ahead. <laughs> But I mean, that's really the cast. I mean, there's definitely supporting people. There's there's one cop, uh, Fabian, who's kind of like I guess that's supposed to be the asshole, right? They didn't really develop his. But again, yeah, that, right? exactly. Like you kind of get it up that he wants to take over the promotion of Montag. Right? Exactly, and he wants to catch him in the act. But but I don't, they don't think he really had any go. speaking roles. Did he speak at all? Then, no, I think he does. But he, again, he doesn't like really play a part yeah. in a uh, guy getting caught. So I, I don't know. Again, it just felt like. You could have did a lot more with some of these characters. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit in the spoilers, um, the little differences in the book, which cool. I think might have been a little bit more interesting. But um, do, do you have well, anything well, else that? Or I really don't. Well, what, do you, what do you think about giving this? Um, hmm. What, what are you going to do? I'm going to give this... I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. Oh, wow. But I think it could even be I, a 5.5. I, I was going to do... Five, and I'm like, ah, talking about it, I'm like, I might do five and a half, because I've been I, thinking about this. I think the story itself is interesting yeah. enough. I'd Like I said, I'm, I'm really excited I, to see the, the remake. Sequ- uh, yeah, remake's probably going to be a lot better. There's definitely some interesting stuff in there, mm-hmm. and like, Truthful, definitely, I'm interested to check out those other films, but at the same time, it didn't like make me want to run out and buy them tomorrow, kind of. I'm probably not going to watch this movie ever again, no? so i I, I got to give it a five. I don't know. This is a yeah. film I think I... I would like to revisit next time. Well, if you give it a six, I'll give it a five. If Premier Drivers is 5.5, which I think is, yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I think this is a film that I, I would want to check out again knowing what I'm getting into. Yeah. Maybe I can enjoy it a little more. But yeah, like I think the biggest issue is they need to replace that lead with someone that... Yeah, he really... Ruined again, it. I get you want someone robotic, but I think he could have been a little bit more charismatic yeah. and at least had one of his arc changes. I yeah. would have liked to have seen some kind of change in his performance, whereas he's just... You could, all the way he, he's the, the Bruce Willis of the time yeah. he just didn't want to be there he was too cool for school uh, in this film but uh, yeah I too think, hot for fire yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I do think the concept is really interesting mm-hmm. I thought you know that the other the captain yeah. and the woman Julie Christie were, were fantastic so uh, there's some interesting stuff in there but yeah I, I guess um, 
that's uh, we're gonna put to, we're gonna jump into some spoilers now. So if you don't want the film spoiled for you, I'm pretty sure you can guess yeah. how it ends. Well, maybe not. But um, we're gonna jump into some spoilers. The time will be at the bottom. So if you don't want to know the ending of this film, just uh, skip ahead, yeah. and we'll close off the show. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the ending. What a cool concept of like the books no longer being a thing, but people being books. Isn't that I, I don't know. So, I thought that was kind of dope. I, I think it's an interesting idea, but at the same time, it's it's kind of goofy. Like each character is just one book. And, I think that's kind of cool, right? I don't know. And he can recite like, uh, wow, well, just uh, and there's like some like sexy girl going like, well, I will recite anything you want. Right? Yeah, like, I, I oh, enjoyed man, her. Like, that's but, that's no, cool. Well, we didn't even mention. So what happens well, is, is it Marquita Saad that she was reading. Like, if you want, I can something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was like a. But we didn't mention. So the captain and the firemen, they say, uh, "Well, we're, we're going on to, uh, to to someone's house." And when they get it, turns out they're they end up at guy's house, and they start they get him to burn his books. But then he he, he ends up takes out the bedroom, takes out the TV, and then he burns his the captain. captain. That's crazy, right? And then he goes on the run. So he's now uh, a wanted fugitive. criminal, a fugitive, and yeah, he ends up on this, um, I guess, this Commune? island kind of yeah. yeah. Where um, it's just surrounded by a bunch of people that are like him, and each person has read a book, and they represent the book, so they teach that book. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, it, it's interesting, but I, mean, I don't know. I thought it was kind of again. There was some goofy I things where it was like the, more, the twins were like, "Well, I'm Fred, Fred and Prejudice, and I'm also Fred and Prejudice, like Volume One and Volume Two." I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. And he does go away with the young uh, girl. His wife flees him, I guess. Well, she rats him out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is the one that rats him out. But the the one, because, yeah, I don't know if we mentioned, but I guess, like, she has her friends over and he pulls out a, yeah, we kind of mentioned it. He pulls out the poem and starts reading it to them all. And she's just, like, Stirs embarrassed. Up emotion. And, anyways, one cool thing I didn't really notice, but uh, the film's credits are spoken. That was weird, right? It's kind of, well, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, you can't read? Yeah, exactly. I thought that was kind of a, mm-hmm. a fun little thing in there. Uh, so the, the book, I actually read, um, I didn't read the book, but I just mm-hmm. I kind of read the plot and the differences. I, I've read the book ages ago. It's pretty similar. I think in the book, though, the young girl is only like 16, the one that mm-hmm. he kind of goes off with, and you, there's kind of some kind of relationship there. And the book, she's only like 16, and I think she gets, she disappears after a couple days, and you find out that she was hit by a car or something. Oh, okay. Um, but other than that, it's very similar. He goes into some professor, and he's the one that, like, the professor's, like, hangs up on him, and he's, like, doesn't, you know, want anything. Yeah. But it turns, the professor eventually gives in, and, you know, it's the professor's the one that takes him to the island. They share their love of books. But a lot of the other things are similar, that the captain does die in the fire. Yeah. The book is a little bit different, though. In the book, there's, like, this robotic dog. That is like they used to hunt the Arf, the Arf Montag. Let's get out of here. Arf, um, Arf. Also something, I, I don't know why they took this out. Maybe it was part of its time, but I think would have really enhanced the film is in the book, he's actually affected by the woman committing suicide and that has an effect on him as well as when oh. his wife overdoses. Yeah. That also, whereas in this thing, in this movie, he's kind of like, kind of shocked by it, but you never really get that it affected him much yeah. whereas in the book those two things are like really got to him really got to him and, and, and are part of him wanting to you know expand his mind well yeah exactly what makes him kind of realize that this world is a little bit fucked but probably the biggest change is so he's a wanted criminal and he goes to this off to his island or whatever and um, a bunch of bombers fly by overhead and drop nuclear weapons and like annihilate the whole city and they just watch on and they end up surviving and then they go back to the city and rebuild it. Oh, crazy. I didn't the, know uh, that. The book people. So, um, And yeah, like I said, there, there's the scientist or whatever, I think his name the Professor Faber, mm-hmm. which kind of replaces, I guess, the woman in this one. That makes sense. Um, but other, other than that, it, it's very 
similar, similar. it seems at least. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have. Do you have any other spoilers? I, really, I got not much else to say about that. Yeah, I mean, this is a film when really it's like it is almost two hours long, but yeah. nothing. It's not much happens to it. It's yeah. very. It's long drawn out. Again, I get it. That's how film, like sci-fi films, a lot of them were like that back then. And usually, I'm fine with that. Usually, I love these kind of long drawn yeah. out. Like they give you this. There's something. There's going some on. kind of like atmosphere. There's something that just clicks with you. And I thought, like Rollerball, I would say. I mean, de- there's definitely insane action scenes, but there's a lot of long drawn out moments. Mm-hmm. Logan's run all those. But you're still in it. Like, yeah, exactly. Something going on. Even Solaris, which is yeah. like the most long drawn out yeah. three hour movie ever. There's something that just keeps you connected and interested mm-hmm. to see what happens next. And I found that was kind of missing this like you said there's no there's never any tense moments and i'm going to bring up equilibrium again i know people are probably like this is blasphemous that (laughs) shitty gun kata movie that ripped off this you're comparing it to his masterpiece but like i just remember that film there was parts where like he's gonna get caught like there was a lot of tense moments there was moments where you like fear for his life and i didn't get that in this film it just kind of seems like you got a really boring lead with a long drawn out yeah. film, not much happens. Not much tenseness. Like it wasn't. Yeah, like the the, the story itself is interesting. The yeah. whole dystopian future, the idea, is is all great. But I just I don't think the payoff was there, and I don't think it was put together uh, as well mm-hmm. as it could have done. So I know this is blasphemous to true full fans that think this is a perfect film. Whatever I know, it is highly rated. But sorry, <laughs> it just didn't click uh, for me. Write us um, a letter so we can burn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But yeah, I guess is that our show over there? I think that's that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, this has been our the first of our kind of dystopian future episodes. Well, totalitarian? Totali- yeah, I'm not going to try saying it. You're just trying to embarrass me now. Uh, we got three more to cover. Uh, we're coming back with, uh, next we're going to cover A Brave New World, yep. the TV film from 1980. Which is uh, isn't it, it's it's interesting. I don't want to spoil too much, but it's it's a unique film. Uh, there's definitely um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. it. Uh, we're going to cover 1984. Yeah, and we're going to cover Equilibrium. Awesome. And I did want to mention, if I, I think this is the time to cover this because I. I think a lot of these films are kind of like you have, you know, Trump is president. He wants the news. St- he's a, he has his own news station. He, even in That's Canada, insane, right? Doug Ford has his own hiring news. actors and shit like that. Exactly, like they, they call everything that goes against them as yeah. fake news, and they're trying to control insane, right? what is distributed out to the yeah. the uh, population. So th- there's a lot of th- these movies are really timely right now, and another reason why I'm excited to see what they do with the remake of this. Oh yeah, because what better time than now with all this go- what's going on? I mean, we're not at the point where we're burning books but at the same time i mean and even again not to j- jump on trump even the other side i feel yeah. like we're almost getting too politically we're, correct where we, it's like we're not putting books so much as we're like burning lives not a lot of lives to say but like uh people's credibility like just getting burned well uh, it, by, well, yeah, well that it, but not even that not even just that but even like everything seems like everyone wants to censor everything it's yeah. like you know the, some shows that were politically incorrect at the time people yeah. want to like those can't be showed anymore yeah. don't release those on dv don't like pretend they didn't exist you have all the statues getting taken down like mm-hmm. and anyway, i'm not saying i agree or disagree with yeah. it i don't want to turn this show political but I, I just want to bring that up because I think these films these, are strange, really timely. Strange with days right now, man. So these films are a bit more. Um, yeah. They're saying a lot more than they're intended to say. And again, right I think now. that's why yeah. with this film, even I enjoyed it a little more because its themes are yeah. so important right now that you know maybe it, not that the film itself isn't that great, but I think that the themes are really interesting. In I this. agree. So, anyways, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Any other re- recommendations for dystopian future films? Uh, I'm sure we'll cover. You will eventually do a part two. I'd love to cover THX one 
137. Yeah, amazing. I've Brazil. never seen that. The George Lucas Brazil. There's there's a lot of cool films out mm-hmm. there. V for Vendetta is even yeah. into this. So uh, we'll do a part two one day. But uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and recommendations. Uh, you can get a hold of us uh, through email at moviecitymaniacs at gmail.com. You can find us on uh, Twitter at moviecitymaniac. And, uh, yeah, Facebook, we have a group page and a like page. Please join both. But uh, the group page, we'd love to have you when we throw up the episode. Share your thoughts. Discuss. Yeah. Uh, you know, you love Trump. You support him. You want to get political. Let's not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Please please don't. Um, but, yeah, no, we'd love to hear your thoughts on these films. And, you know, if you think we're crazy and it's a masterpiece, I mean, it seems like most people do. Let us know. We want to hear what maybe what we missed in the film. Yeah. Um, anyways, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with a brave new world. Oh, stay scared and stay safe. And burn those books, <laughs> god damn it. This is, uh, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but totalitarian? 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 Totalitarian. Totalitarian. Kind of our, our I can't say it's totalitarian. Totalitarian. (laughs) Yeah. That's an odd word. I'm not even going to try saying it. Is it getting up high enough? Looks like I'm having trouble getting it up. We're good. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, it's speaking. It is peaking. Yeah. That sounds a bit better though, doesn't it?